Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm Hisham. And this is... The Quantumly Leaping Podcast. Yes, it is. So, uh, this is our fifth episode for this season. And we're going to talk about a topic that might be um, um, one of the very important topics this time and in this era of, of, of life. And also specifically this era of the crisis that we're having with COVID-19 and all. Uh, and it's about ethics. Um, we want to just uh, touch base about ethics in, in multiple, um, uh, uh, you know, multiple angles and multiple kind, multiple, uh, uh, ways of life and all of these things. So we just, we just wanted to talk about it because it touches everybody. And it's important to talk and there's no much, you know, there's not enough talk about it here and there. Uh, I mean, like, uh, uh, apart from some of the, um, um, events that we, we would, we went together, Jim and I, uh, the ethics of AI, but that is one aspect that we talk about, but there's a lot that we need to talk about. So without further ado, um, uh, let's just fire up and our first topic is about um, ethics in business. Um, so we hear all about, I mean, like for the past few years, we've heard about a lot of unethical business practices. And I also don't want to name names, but one of the biggest things that we've heard, like a lot of uh, uh, grocery stores or, or clothing stores or stores in general are closing because a lot of online stores are doing business and many of them without saying names of course are doing very or are accused to to have to to follow like very unethical uh methods of selling but that goes for a, a, a lot of things and um uh, and you know like we have we have been affected personally every one of us by uh by by this kind of thing i mean a lot of people have lost businesses or they have lost jobs because of that um, so Jim, I mean, like, I know that you told me about a lot of experiences. I think that, um, I, I want you to share some of those to our audiences. Yeah. Well, you know, ethics in business, um, you know, has been something that, uh, I've been kind of more acute uh, of lately and, um, you know, it's something that maybe 20 years ago, I didn't think anything of it. Um, but last five years, uh, you know, I've done a lot of work here in uh, working for different organizations, uh, different special projects. And what I quickly realized is uh, sometimes uh, um, you may uh, I worked for, I'll say, Fortune 500 companies. Um, and there's no we're not going to name names. So that's what this is all about. The point is, is sometimes um, what I've run into is uh, it was more important that the client be happy, whether we were doing good or bad, than anything else. And it, and it kind of struck me that, you know, I thought the goal was, you know, to make sure that the cu customer was happy. And I've had some instances where, um, one instance where we're working with a big client, and we were, we were doing really well. And because we were doing so well, it caused a good problem. Now, you figure if he has a good problem, that's a good thing. Well, it turned out to be a, a, a bad problem. 
and, and some of the uh, particular people working this project were let go. And it was one of me too. And no fault of our own. We, we didn't do anything wrong. And uh, why I tell you this story is because my phone started ringing. A number of people called me. Like, as soon as they called me, they called some other people. And they were dumbfounded that uh, they just went on a list and they picked, you know, five people. And they made those calls. Did they realize maybe these five people were working hard? They didn't, they didn't put any thought. So there's an ethical um, uh, realization as to, you know, maybe the hardworking people should have been kept. Because there was definitely people who were, who were being lazy, didn't know that. Thought. And I remember how angry I was. Now it was only one shift, okay, one shift. But in the grand scheme of things, it bothered me. I remember telling, I think I, I told uh, Hisham about it, and I was I was upset. Um, and why? Because we didn't do anything wrong. We hit our targets, but we we uh, we, we we again we did two of a job. I'm not going into the details. And then other small instances have occurred, um, which have slighted me. And, and I'm a human being. I have a pulse last time I checked. And it really made me realize, and this is why I started digging into, into ethics, and I'll, I'll talk more about it here in, in about 10 minutes on a particular topic we'll be sharing here shortly, that um, sometimes businesses are not running ethically. And uh, one, one example uh, I'm going to parlay now into is during this COVID uh, time we, we are facing, uh, many landlords now are not working with their um, uh, with their clients who are say front end businesses uh, to keep make sure to keep them alive. The government has come in with some financial incentives, and with my own ears, I heard numerous times that the landlords are not partaking in it due to this, this, and this reason. And it was it was hard. Like these businesses have been there 15, 20 years, paying their rent every month on the month, but because of this situation. They decided that they're not going to participate in in the government's um, thing, which falls into ethical and loyalty. And it was yeah. I was bothered, and I had nothing to do with these businesses. I'm just merely a consumer listening to it. And I told Hisham this uh, uh, the next day, and we're like, "Wow! Like, no, like someone's been paying their bills for 20 years, and all of a sudden uh, they need some leeway, or the government has a." A program paid seventy-five uh, percent of their rent, and the you know they only have to pay twenty-five percent for for a few months, something of that nature, and they're not willing to help out. That's that's pretty unethical, and and yeah. and, and so I'll throw it back to you, Hashem. Yeah, I mean, like the the uh, I think the the things with landlords goes back to a lot. Like I've been into many places, and when you stay a long time, and because. They cannot raise your rent for for more than a, a specific percentage. Uh, yes. If you're already there, some of them go, and I've been a victim of that. Some of them are went, go too far to make problems with you, so that they will kick you out or they will just pressure you yeah. to leave, so that they can actually, uh, you know, like uh, uh, rent it for a new one with like double the price or anything like that. But okay, like. Now we are in the crisis, as you said. It's different. It's not just about competition. It's about putting people out in 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 this kind of a crisis, and it's it's very unethical. But when I look at it, here's the thing. Okay, so the government came in and they say like we can help you with that, like like fifty percent or something like that, and twenty five from the renter, and it's like seventy five percent. And I I get that a lot of them like they say it's like we're willing 
to do that. Not all of them, of course, are, are bad, but they say we're willing, yes. but we have to also pay mortgages because we are renting these places because we pay mortgages because the rent is what pays the mortgages and we are yes. all stopped working. And then the banks are not helping. You know, like the banks, we heard a lot from the banks that they will be helping. Okay, we'll just take off uh, the, the, the mortgages. We will take off of your credit card. I personally have not seen anything on my credit card for, for, for that matter. So I'm just going to be like blunt. I'm not going to say their banks or the names, but I've, because I've seen all types of people from all kinds of, who are, you know, clients to all, to all types of banks and no, no one noticed anything. I mean, it's like, it's, so I, it becomes on, it's a chain. If you want to be an ethical also, you have to do a chain. So if I cannot say like, I want to push the landlords to accept that thing from the government and lose a little bit of money just to help the others. But he also have a commitment to the bank and the bank has to do that. Same things with the insurance companies. Like they also pay for insurance, right? I mean, I don't own a car, but I've, all, all of my friends who have cars, they, they, they noticed a raise in insurance during this crisis. And they talk about rebates and it's not clear. And they, I, I heard from a friend of mine that not everybody is eligible for a rebate. Like for what? No one is I mean, like most of people do not leave with their cars now. I mean, or they're not using their cars as much. So how and how would you how would you specify or decide who's who is like um, uh, who's eligible or not? And a lot of them, they say like, oh, we have that tracking app that we would monitor which is a total which create a total different problem uh and we were going to talk about something like in our next in our privacy but ethically like are you just gonna are, are you gonna judge me if i if i joined with this app and i gave you my data it's am i going to be more eligible because someone chose to chose their own privacy and they don't want to uh, you know they don't want to join with your app to track them i mean like this is there's so it's a chain i believe of of a lot of things, you cannot blame one one person in the middle and not trace it back to all of this. This is we're all into this together. Uh, I mean, like we've seen even um, big people in politics and um, gets gets you know get that disease, and some of them actually died. Some of them were this close to die. So it is not. So I mean, like the owners of those companies or or the CEOs or, might get that disease. I mean, like. It is not just about morals, just morals. This is a, this is a huge thing. We, we're all into this together. But I also think that there's, which is going to lead me to our uh, next topic. It's about how you strike those deals. I mean, like whether it's the government or those banks or those uh, landlords or whatever, how do you negotiate something like that? Because it is, we say that the government is trying to help, fine, but they also, they, they have also have to negotiate that because they, it's obvious to me that they say we were, we're helping, but when you see that the, 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 the landlords or the banks coming and say like, we're not, you know, that's, that's an optional thing. And we did not do any, any, any specific negotiations about it or any deals with the government. So that deal leads me. To also the ethics of, of negotiating. Negotiating deals is a very important because you cannot just promise people and tell them, okay, I put the money there and I'm relying on, on, on those people's morals. Th- there has to be some, some negotiations, some deals. And 
I'm going to leave this now to you because uh, I know that you've had that course or the uh, book about ethics of negotiations, and I, I would like you to share thoughts about that for, for our, to our audience. Yeah, so thank you. I'll make this quick. So I actually took a course, uh, Ethics and Negotiations, earlier this year. It's part one. Part two is in the advance, which I'm going to be taking shortly. It was a very powerful course. It dealt with a lot of really real-world uh, case studies uh, from a lawyer who's looking out for his client, uh, whose client, say, was a, a uh, place that uh, housed uh, individuals who were low-income individuals, and they wanted to build a condo. And it was, it was, I thought when I first started, this was going to be, you know, uh, you know, no, no, no meat to this. It was a powerful, powerful course to take. At the end of the day, what happens is in, in, in ethics, specifically say we'll use, uh, I'm going to use a bank. I'm not going to name a bank, but I'll say the banks. If you picture a bank, what, what their, their prerogative is to watch their bottom line. They, the, them walking into worrying about their, um, their business client amongst thousands of clients, you know what? They actually don't care. I honestly tell you, because they, they, their goal is they've got to make sure they do their job because they have their boss on top of them, right, watching yeah. them. And they morally, believe me, they may be a sign mind buddy, don't care. They lose a client. They have six more ways to do that. So when you take the point of view of I am the bank and I'm going to lose this client who's a flower shop even for 15 years, really I can replace that client with six clients I have here in my next itinerary. So um, it, it was a very perspective. Um, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm not a doctor and all that. But reading this, the, the mindset of being a, a business negotiator. And I've, I've negotiated some business deals. I would say they're big deals, but again, business deals. And let me tell you, uh, um, I was humbled that I did my homework. And I remember one deal that I was working on, and it, was, it wasn't a complicated deal, but I actually asked for some time to read, through the, to read through the contract. And I'll never forget the person I was reading. He started sweating. <laughs> When I was reading through the contract, because something there, I, I saw him sweat. I saw him. Like, I saw the sweat coming down his, his brow. I'm like, wow. So body language is also important. You, you, you learn these things. And I got to, like, the 50th point. And there was a point regarding cancellation of the contract. And I said, you know, and it was, it, it, it kind of uh, tweaked a little bit. And then I read number 56, 57. By the time I got to the eighth, he was already like, I guess you're not going to do it now, right? He even, he even said no for me because he knew that he, he didn't bet, the individual didn't bet that I was going to read every line of the contract. Because what? People don't read every line of the contract, right? People hardly read so any line. <laughs> exactly. But the thing was, as like I, it was, and I, went, I think I told you this, Hisham, I, don't know, I told somebody about this. And I think it was you. You were di you were lying in laughter because I was lying aptly with, with me. I was proud of myself. It was like finally I, I I was acting like a lawyer, right? But it was it was one of those things that the silence was killing the person <laughs> in front of me because he knew that he got caught. And I didn't sign the deal. Um, and uh, he he said no for me before I said no. And I was like, wow, why? Oh, because you thought I wasn't going to read it. And he says, no. Oh, that's why you're sweating. 
I was sweating, and he took a thing. I go, well, body language doesn't lie, my friend. And uh, it's really sad that uh, you, you'd you stoop this low. Because I had a little bit of a relationship with him. And it, it was sad that he'd stoop so low and would not, would not be honest. But the time I took, the extra five minutes I took to read this contract, right? Now, why I give you this example is because ethics in ethics and negotiations have a day. I'm going to give you a second example because this is powerful. Recently, the the, student, the teachers here in, the, uh, in Toronto, all levels, high school students, elementary school students, were all in heavy negotiations, and it was ugly. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, ugly, muslinging, and Hisham is shaking yeah. his head. Okay? Now, why I tell you this is because uh, I have a bunch of neighbors of mine who are principals, teachers, and I have a community of teachers, teachers and all that. And my mom was an educational assistant, so she was involved in the system for 30 years. Now, I took interest in this because what was happening was is the, 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 the teachers were fighting the future. They were fighting this in-classroom training. Now, this is before COVID. Just, just bear with me here. This is before COVID, okay? Now, what, what, I'm trying to, what I'm saying is that many of you know now how important the online has become. Not just in schools, but in business. Now, this was, it was brutal. Like, they were negotiating, they were taking, whoops, oh, it's okay, something fell. <laughs> it's okay. They were taking one-day strikes. Now, fast forward, Corvid happened, okay? What happened? Online training had to happen. Third, it did, okay? How quickly? Now, the Minister of Education was very, very, very lucky on this because Corvid happened. Fourth. They just renewed their contracts, 97% for the secondary school and 94 for the elementary school teachers uh, agreed to the deal. Why? Unfortunately, the teachers had nothing to, no leg to stand on because unfortunately corporate happened, you know, and what happened? Online training had to happen. Nobody went on TV. I checked the internet. None of the uh, presidents of any of the unions went on TV anywhere, made any many statements, and I actually emailed to find out. Why? Because they lost all their ethical purpose towards the deal. So they had to deal. So once yeah. you remove that main uh, block that they were fighting for, it got removed. They had nothing to stand upon. Listen, I was for the teachers. Our teachers are teaching the future students. But ethics sometimes deals with something of a silver lining. And they were fighting for that silver lining because they, they knew it would happen. Honestly, they knew it was going to happen eventually. But they didn't want to give in. But the government ended up, you know, they, it was ugly. They were taking one day off union strikes every week for like three months. But what happened right. two weeks ago? 97% approval, 92% approval in the contract. And I just shook my head. I said, see, exactly. One thing that they were fighting for now. So I want to show these two examples because, see, ethics happens every day on a high level and on a low level. People negotiating for homes right now have lost a little bit of their um, negotiation because of, of what's happening. So just... I felt these two cases kind of bring a little bit of framework of what ethics in negotiation is. So I throw it back to you, Hisham. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and I and I, I would 
I would say that, of course, we're not again. My mother was a teacher and mm-hmm. my aunt was a teacher. A couple of my uncles were teachers. I know how hard yeah. and difficult yeah. their job is. Yeah, and I just want to add one thing. I'm not I'm not picking on any other side. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just, I mean, we're I'm just, just giving just, this as a, as, a, as a case study. That's all I'm saying as a case study. That's all. Exactly. But okay. my point is, my point is, those are the people who are teaching. And I think it's 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 also very because this is, should be a lesson to us what happened in COVID and what happened in the education life, because this should be in our education system as well. We should teach ethics in general, mm-hmm. and we should get examples like ethics of negotiating. That example, what happened with 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 the Ministry of Education and the teachers and all, it's their it's the teachers' job right now. To learn those lessons and to teach it, we don't want to get rid of you. We we don't, and I don't think that mm-hmm. online teaching is going to replace the one-on-one or person teaching. I don't want it to do that, but we should know that this is something that is going to happen. We should negotiate how this is how the transition is going to happen without, you know, affecting our 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 uh, students, without affecting our lives, without affecting our teachers, and. Same, I, I hope that same is going to happen for right now within this crisis with banks and insurance companies and all of those who are like, who are not really cooperating with this crisis because it's not just about losing a client. It's about losing, losing your, your whole base of, of business because people are going to wake up from this crisis and, and they're not going to be, they're going to be unforgiving for what happened to them. And I'm, and I'm sure there there's going to be a lot of changes after that, but uh, let's hope that this is going to be uh, a, uh, this this thing is going to be uh, uh, a big lesson for us all uh, going going forward. Uh, and moving to our next topic because we were talking about ethics in negotiation, which leads us also to the ethics of sales and marketing. Because any sale, any marketing, any any deal you've done has to have a sales and marketing before that. And there are ethics also very well to that. You see those, I'm like, again, I'm not going to say anything. All, every, every trade, it, whether it's an online trading or, or retail stores or whatever, they mm-hmm. put those ads for you in, in a way. And sometimes the products are so crappy that they don't actually worth the time looking at them, not to mention buying them with your own money, but they make it feel like you need yeah. this in your life. And if you don't buy that product, you're worthless. I mean, like it becomes like this. It becomes like so manipulating and so invasive, which was, again, we're going to talk about that in our privacy, how they, how they spy on yeah. your data and how they know exactly what you think. And I push it, but that's also. Let's not talk about technology. We're talking about that and how we we expose too much. But even if I'm exposing a lot of information to you out of like um, goodwill, that doesn't give you the right to use this information against me so that you would actually, I don't know, brainwash me or hypnotize me, digitally hypnotize me sometimes that I need this product or, or, or else I'm worthless. And, you know, you see a lot of stories. You told me sometimes that you or some people of your family bought something on, on a online store or whatever. And when you, when you received it after a few days, I was like, why that? What was I thinking buying this thing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It has. I mean, so I'll, I'll give you a quick story. I'll give you a personal story, ladies and gentlemen. So about four weeks ago, I, I got a new client. Uh, I sell some 
email uh, marketing software. So I got this new client, and uh, he was happy, he was excited, and I've been representing this product for eight years. So I have a, an onboarding process, you know, and I've been doing it, and it's very thorough, very important. So I had him, and he was on target, and we had one phone conversation, and he was on board. Then a week later, uh, the, the next week, I, I, I called him again, and then he was putting me off. Well, one day, a second day, and then the third day, he says, listen, you know, I'm not sure now. I'm like, wow, what happened in a week? Now, yes, we're in the middle of COVID. He has an essential business, and uh, he had some previous bad experiences uh, using some of the services. Now, I can't speak to those services because I wasn't there, and that's not my business. So the fourth week, the third week, I phoned up Hisham. I said, this is Hisham, could you uh, help me out? Because Hisham has stepped in, and we have worked on some clients because Hisham has experience uh, with the food industry. So, and SEO and, and things like that. So we set up a phone call. Uh, Hisham says, sure, I have a little time on my schedule. I said, great, thank you very much. We set it up. He didn't show. And then he sends me a text the next day, a long text, saying, blah, 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 I fell asleep. I think this is not going to work for me, and I'm going to get my money back. So at the end of the day, um, I do make money, obviously, from him keeping the service. But ethically, ladies and gentlemen, I was okay about it. Because two things. Do I really want a pain-in-the-ass client who's going to fight me all day? Or ethically, should he leave? Ethically, I want the money. Yes, money is money. But I had, I think, a dilemma. Do I engage him? And I did not. I let it go. I didn't even respond. He quit. I got the, the, the letter that he, he quit. Now, the whole story about this is that, you know, what happened in three weeks that, that, that turned him around so quickly? Well, I, didn't, I, I followed my process. It's foolproof. But if he's not going to buy in, right? The second, the second thing is I do a lot of sales and marketing uh, here in Toronto. Quick story, Hisham. And um, so uh, I, I have a, 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 pro, a product that I, that I do, and it's, it's, it's a magazine. It's an amazing magazine. I actually read the magazine. It's fantastic. Two types of magazines. One's about food, one's about adventure. So the predication is, is I read this cover to cover. So I was distributing this, this magazine. And, and people saying, you know, ask me what about. So I would tell them. My coworker during her break approached me and goes, wow, what are you telling people that it's flying out, of, flying out of your hands? Well, I go, well, did, did you read the magazine? She says, no. I said, why not? Why should I? Like that was her attitude. And she and, and and her energy and all that. I go listen. You have a moral and ethical responsibility to be authentic and truthful to to that. You're you're, you're selling not just your, your, your the product. You're selling yourself. You're I'm not selling me. Yeah, I'm not selling me. I'm like as you see, she was younger than me. And I and what I explained to her and 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 I said to her, it's not selling you, but selling them the vision. Of what this magazine and this magazine has been around a long time. It's I'm telling you, I'm not sugarcoating it. It's a great magazine. Are, the content is top notch. I mean, I have magazines right here behind me. I mean, that's how good it is. So the press is this: is that ethically, my ethical responsibility is that I am selling not just the magazine. I'm selling me. I'm representing this magazine. And the more you believe in that, the quicker you you set it up. So people always tell me how passionate you are. Oh, I always hear how to determine. Um, people tell me, oh, you're, you, I don't worry about your confidence. Someone three days ago says, 
I don't have to worry about you with your confidence. Those are that to me, and, and not arrogantly, but they said it because they know, they know of me. Now, the context why I'm telling you this is that ethics may seem like, again, a silver lining in a whole grand thing, but we have the, the moral and ethical responsibility to get behind what we, what we want, whether it's our, our life, our career, um, what we do. And you'd be surprised. This podcast that we're doing, well, people begin to notice. I'm getting emails. I'm getting compliments. People are listening to it. Right? That, that's a good thing because I believe in this. I, I believe in this. So um, I hope these kind of quick two stories say how important ethics is in our daily life. So I'll throw it back to you, Hashem. Thanks for letting yeah, me share. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, it's good that you talk about the story about this, this girl from the magazine because a part of it is me as a worker, I'm getting paid for that. And ethically, I have to do my job. But there's also, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the other part as the, uh, the employer to the employee, right? Like there is a big online comment. I'm not going to say the name, but I have, I was, I used to, to buy a lot from this uh, online store and I stopped like four years ago because I've heard that they were treating their workers badly. Specifically in times where there's a, there's high sales and they deliver a lot of things like in, in, um, Black Friday or Christmas or anything mm-hmm. that their employees, their low, low level workers, the ones who are working, you know, those poor guys who are working in the, in, um, in the, in, in those centers, you know, the, um, uh, what do you call them? Like the, uh, the distribution centers and all of this thing or the, uh, or the, the workers, you know, and they have to pee in bottles. Because they couldn't yeah. take a five-minute break to the bathroom. Yeah. Because if they went there, their boss is going to tell them, "Oh, you know what? You're fired." I can get someone who doesn't take five minutes to go to the toilet. And this is this is a very basic human need. And when I've heard about that, I mean, it doesn't affect me because it doesn't affect me from the point of, of they're selling me what I need or what I don't. Because I passed that, and I know how these algorithms work, and I'm very careful about it. But I stopped buying from them for like the past four years, uh, you know, because I didn't want to give money. It doesn't matter if it's only me. And I know that I'm not judging people who are still buying or something. I felt that I, even for a couple of dollars that I give to those guys, I don't want them because they do not match my ethical understanding of how you should deal with your own employees. Right. I mean, like, can I, can I, can I, can I have another story, too? Can I have one more quick story? Uh, we still, we have only 40 seconds for that, okay. uh, for this topic. Okay. Next, yeah. next time. Go ahead. Next time. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, have, we'll have, we'll have, uh, uh just to, okay. to let our audiences that, um, in, we, we're planning also to have some of these topics in separate kinds of, uh, separate episodes for that yes. matter. But okay. we're di- uh, basically this season also is to, to touch down on these topics and see. And see you, uh, okay. and see how you, they, they react. But we will go there. But as as I told you, I I stopped buying from them. And you know what? For four years, I used to buy a lot, and now it's like I'm doing fine without them. <laughs> you know, I I don't need them. I I switch to other companies sometimes, or to buy from retail directly, even though sometimes it's a little bit higher in price. And there are some other providers online who are not doing these these uh, unethical uh, things to their employees, or even. Uh, Unethical things to other competitors, which is what I've heard about that company. But you know, I'm doing fine, and I stuck okay. to my own stuck to my own um, uh, principles, 
and I and I'm and I'm doing fine. I, that's what I'm saying, which is now also um, let, leads us to our next and last topic is also ethics in AI, because you know all of those companies, as we said, they're using AI to target you to micro target you for selling these things. The amount of the data they collect on us is huge, huge. I mean, I cannot say it's gigantic, you know, and we're giving this data, whether we know it or not. I mean, like, because we, we say like, oh, we trust that they're not going to use it badly. It's trust is a, is a nice human being kind of a like, I don't know, um, uh, uh, I, I, you know, like, it's, it's good to trust people. That's what I want to say. I could, I don't know what to say because w- sometimes it's been used against us. So you trust those companies on your data. You trust them on your, on what you put online or your own opinions. They use it against you and they use AI and those algorithms that manipulate. And I know that you, we talked about it a little bit and, uh, the book, uh, the weapons of mass destruction on how they use that against us. And this is like, this is also, a very unethical things, and it's not just on those companies who do the sales because they want to sell people, but there should be also some boundaries on the companies who also develop these things for them, you know. And I'm I want to throw it back to you because I know that you have, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, basically, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share. So, one thing our listeners and people who are watching this. Watch our previous event. We did a podcast on uh, employment in the 21st century. We talked huge uh, about the weapons of math destruction, a huge discussion. Now, the reason I want to talk about AI is um, I have just been learning more about AI in the past year and a bit. And it has been a fascinating experience. I've been to some events that Hisham and I have covered. And just before COVID, I had been to about two, two three events. And it was it was fascinating for me. It was a little nervous in the beginning to admit, but I you know, took some notes. And actually, um, Zach Limpton from the uh, Colin um, uh, from Pittsburgh, uh, the Carnegie Mellon, uh, came down and spoke at the ethics um, uh, for the University of Toronto, and it was a great talk. Now, there's a book called Weapons of Math Destruction, and I, I highly recommend uh, taking a look at it. But it was giving an example of how AI basically is taking the context of what's what's happening and to get a result. And uh, again, listen to that because that we go in depth and all that. But AI now is is something that uh, is is more people are not just a buzzword anymore. Now it's it's actually a, a, a strong reality. Even during this COVID situation, um, we have uh, spent a lot of time on modeling. Now, Modeling, why I'm mentioning modeling very quickly is I've done some work on modeling before COVID happened, and just so it turns out, I understand and I've done some research on it. Now, why modeling happens, because modeling relies on what? AI, because they take certain statistical information, and then they to see what will happen. Well, how that happens, ladies and gentlemen, is an AI algorithm is projecting the number of people who are going to get sick, who, who will die to it, Okay. So what has happened, you know how many systems there are over the world? There are about six different systems that are doing this modeling. And guess what happens, ladies and gentlemen? Six different answers as to when the peak will be, when will it flatten, when will it dip, when will it flatten the curve. So what's caused for me concern 
is the anxiety and the nerve-wracking is who to believe and when. Because we've been cooped up here, ladies and gentlemen, for almost eight weeks. Okay, yes, we go for walks and all that. But I'm telling you, we're relying on this information for now. They're reopening as of Monday. A lot of the some of the businesses in my in 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 the, in the Ontario region. But what's fueling this is AI. Now, the ethical and moral dilemma on this is how these numbers are uh, used, okay, and implemented. And unfortunately, I was telling Hisham this. I think there's a lot, and I actually read this in an article today. I think there's some political and some egotistical crossover. And they mentioned in, in a paper here, which mentioned one that I read, that they said, who's really in charge of, 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 uh, of Ontario? Is it the premier or is it the health department? And, and it seems to be a, 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 a friction clash. or a, yeah. a, a clash. And we're talking about millions of people who are watching the news who are wanting the right information. That is very, um, very, very, um, I don't want you to turn it forward. It's very uh, worrisome. So um, this is where uh, this ethical realization of people are getting um, uh, anxiety because they're tired of hearing the health department saying, we don't know we're going to open up. It's going to be in two weeks. We want a down thing. Well, people, you know, have kids. People, people have lives. People need to get out. My my nephew has has completely his his uh, I went to go see him a few days ago. His structure, ladies and gentlemen, is completely out of whack. Okay, he has no idea when morning, night, or evening is because he's not going to school. He doesn't have that. Well, let's say he has some structure, but not the the solid structure that he had, and it's affecting his parents. We have they have a newborn now, so. This is where ethics, ladies and gentlemen, is so important and, and has other, uh, other issues attached to it. But ethically, there's a responsibility there that sometimes causes people to clash. So I'll yeah. throw it back to you, Hisham. And, and, you know, everybody knows maybe by now that AI, AI is just, is just the, the interface of what you see. AI relies on data. And yes. it's the way that we collect this data or we, we put that data or we feed it to that AI is also, yes. is also a big deal. So we see that a lot of countries don't collect their data very well. Specifically, let's yes. talk about COVID-19 and their, because their healthcare system is broken or because there are a lot yes. of political reasons that they yeah. don't want to tell the data. There's a lot yes. of countries, they hide information on the real number of cases. And if we took them, for, for, for granted that their words are, 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 are like, yes, this is what, this is what the real number. That is going to affect the whole world because if, if the numbers are getting higher and so, suddenly we say like, we're, we're going to get back to normal at one, at one time. But those people, there, there are problems in those countries and the world is too much open and the people are going to traveling from and to those countries and we're going to have another outbreak, maybe even worse than this. So ethically talking, like data that we provide into AI, whether it's for, for the sales that they took our private data and used it against us. We know that some, uh, some companies like Cambridge Analytica and all used people's uh, data against them for, to sway them to elect for in elections. We know that, uh, uh, now there are people are hiding information or countries are hiding information about the real number of cases 
which will affect everyone. It is not just going to affect an election in one country or in, in, in one place of the world, but that's going to happen to all the world. So, so the, it's very important that people realize this and they should start like, because I know that there's a lot of fear about AI and a lot of fear about, oh, my privacy and how they collect. Data collection is happening and it's not going to stop. Yeah. It's yeah. up to us to push those ethics on how do you collect data? how transparent this data is and how no matter what political climate it is or what political party is is in power the accuracy of this data should not be should not be anywhere near negotiating should we put it out or should we not that shouldn't happen in yeah. in any case you know and it's yeah. i think it's not just on the people who develop this information but it's on everybody because it's our data at the end of the day we should yeah. be the ones who own the data. We should be the ones who decide how those companies use it or how even, even for those, for the people who live in, in governments that hide the data, how their governments are dealing with or hiding them from the whole world. It's not about, it's not about you now. It's not about your political image. It's everybody, you know? Yeah. And, uh, no, it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah. It's it's a powerful thing, and, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. And we're not talking the conversation here is a general general conversation. But listen, let me tell you something. Um, I know I said earlier about a year and a half that I've been really studying AI, but AI has uh, has been around. Uh, we we have been tracked uh, what we take out of the library. We have been tracked what we shop online. It has been around, and and why I tell you this is um, you know because of what I've learned. Um, I've had some. Um, some really interesting conversations with individuals. And I always tell Hisham this because here it is. There's a saying, knowledge is power. I know uh, it's a catchphrase and all this. But, you know, sometimes knowledge is a powerful tool because if you know what you're talking about. And I've had some people who um, who have really challenged me on not just what I know, but how, how am I coming to this? And what I can tell you this is what I explained to very quickly is that, you know, I was actually doing modeling three months ago on a, a little personal pet project that I was working on with two sports teams. I never realized how important that little exercise was going to be now and what's happening now with bigger data. But it's the same thing. Whatever data you're putting in, that's what you're going to get out, right? Mm. So um, this is why this is such a powerful show that doesn't matter about your political climate. And, and, and there has been serious writings on online in the newspapers about um, the false uh, numbers of deaths here in Toronto in, in certain I want, um, institutions that have to be reporting, even in the United States, in a particular state, Florida, because of the, a lot of people traveling in and out of Florida who, who may not live in Florida, the deaths are actually being underreported because the the the, the department uh, um, in, in the health department is using professional and legalese to delay that because they know where everybody comes from, from their from the driver's license, right? So they know the numbers, but they refuse to release the numbers. Okay, I know I'm picking on a state here, but the reality is it was fascinating to listen that they were using all this professional legal speak. At the end of the day, they know what the numbers are but they don't want to release them because people were partying in the Florida beaches a few weeks ago. So the numbers are higher 
than they're shown yeah. to be. Again, an ethical and moral dilemma. I'm sorry I picked on Florida, but it, this is fresh. This is in the news. And this yeah. is also in Ontario within our long-term homes. I'm going to mention it. There's been serious issues. So these are all real-world uh, contextual case studies that are going to be studied for a very long time, let me tell you, after this is over. So yeah. I'll throw it back to you. Sure. Yeah, but you know, you know, we always say in the in the IT world, specifically in the AI world, because it depends on data. We all say like, crap in, crap out. I mean, we don't use the word crap, but you know, <laughs> we. I I just wanna. I'm I'm putting my Sorry. filter on. I'm putting my public public speaking filter on my mouth right now. But it's really crap in, crap out. If if you yeah. AI and machines are are not biased by nature, they don't know what what bias is. Mm-hmm. We are the ones who are biased. We are the ones yeah. who are, who are, who have these motivations, whether they are political motivations or social yeah. motivations or whatever. And we, and they inherit that from us, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah and I think one, one thing, one thing I'm going to say is the, the weapons of mass destruction. Why we keep mentioning this book is a tremendous story. Uh, um, that uh, about the uh, board of, uh, education system in particular state that used AI and it was actually sort of faulty information. Listen to the podcast. We go to the so it was a powerful example because it was it was about employment in the twenty first century, but it was also ethical and 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 a lot of other topics. So listen to that podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And we're plugging another podcast, but we go in depth about 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 that, what happened there. Yeah, and I would I would uh, I would also say that they our audience, our loyal audience uh, should also uh, listen to our next podcast, which is about privacy. It's also very connected yes. to this one. And yes. uh, uh, specifically now everybody's sitting at home. Everybody's on the Internet. They are doing more more uh, gaming or yeah. watching a, a lot of stuff. And all of this, all of this is data or private data. And yes. I think it's, it's our part of our responsibility to tell people uh, yeah. that what, whatever you well, share... We, we, is, we have a lot to talk about there. I, I'm actually uh, collecting data. I just told Hashem before we came on air. I'm actually collecting data, uh, articles and all that. So I'm really into this. Uh, I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that Hashem and I, uh, just to reveal a little more about what we do here, is we put work into this podcast. Before we come on, we come up with a synopsis we're going to talk about. We talk about it for a little bit. So we are giving you um, you know, our actual active information um, that is, is very authentic and truthful, I'm telling you. The reason we want to be respectful is we don't mention names' names here because obviously we're very respectful of, of, of organizations. So is, listen, they're not all bad, okay? They're just maybe not making ethical decisions. So that's how we've been very careful with our language and not mentioning, uh, yeah. not mentioning and, people. And as, as, as we also say in the, in the tech world, if you share, it's out there. So yes. <laughs> we'll just we'll just have to let to leave people with this, uh, preparing ourselves to the next episode. I hope you will all tune into it. And um, uh, again, I know that we talked shortly about a lot of about these four topics, and may people may 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 want us to talk more about them. But as as we said, this is se- this is only season one, and we plan on other in go in deep into some of the other topics, maybe uh, this season or even season two. But, but we wanted to touch base on this. And these, these episodes, while we're doing during this crisis, we just wanted to, to get on with and to tell it and to compare with these 
topics and what's happening in this crisis, but in the future we will have more uh, deep dives on those. Uh, with that, I will leave uh, our audience uh, with a goodbye and last word, Jim. Well, thank you again for everybody for listening. This was a, a powerful discussion on ethics in numerous uh, in numerous ways, and look forward to speaking on our next podcast. So I'm Jim, and I'm Hisham, and and this is this Quantum Leaping Podcast signing off. And, yeah, see you next next episode. <laughs>